Welcome back to Energetically You, where we talk about optimal wellness, abundant mindset, and confident decision-making. I'm your host, Megan Swan, a wellness coach and consultant and the founder of Megan Swan Wellness and the Sustainable Integrated Wellness Approach. I help high-performance humans, leaders, and modern companies thread more wellness into their lifestyle and company culture so it becomes a way of life and not a checkmark on their to-do list. Today on the podcast, I am so excited to present Natalie Haynes. She is a corporate training consultant, educator, speaker, and psychotherapist. Natalie works in the space where connection and belonging can be interrupted either within the relationship with ourselves or with others. Her passion is to teach people to remember who they are through experiential learning, Natalie has had a private practice for 14 years and became a therapist because she was a client and experienced how psychotherapy changed how she related to everything. In her work, Natalie engages others using her vulnerability, personal stories, and experiences through which she found her own strength. As a training consultant, Natalie facilitates facilitates experiential workshops, online courses on mental health and inclusion and belonging. Her current program entitled The Comfortable Race Conversation Process, which leads individuals through an experiential process to learn how to have uncomfortable conversations about race with other races. This program has been included in the Government of Canada's 5030 Challenge as a tool to support organizations to have more honest conversations about race. Wow, I'm so excited for this conversation. So let's dive in. Welcome, Natalie. I'm so excited for this conversation and an opportunity to get to know you better. So let's just start with how are you? What's new? Give us a little intro on your day so far. My day so far. Um, I'm actually wonderful because I spent the weekend uh, teaching a group of student therapists how to have conversations about race. And it was a group of white students specifically. And the feedback was, or they left with words of being open and hopeful and having lots of possibility towards being able to enter into these conversations that are so important so yeah feel pretty great today actually it must be so fulfilling so when you bring a group like that together is it intentional that they're all white or it just sort of happens depends on the activity or the container well um this specific this specific group um was intentional because they are so they're students at the Gestalt Institute in Toronto mm-hmm. and they're so the school is really looking at you know how are they supporting uh, BIPOC students uh, and so one of the things that they did was create a um through you know through the students you know asking for support mm-hmm. so they created a BIPOC student only sort of community group and which went very well. And then the white students were like, wait a second, we need, we want to know, like we, 
we want to know what to do. We want to know what we don't understand. We understand that there's something happening and we don't know why we don't understand it. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know. Right. So they, um, so I am, I, I am a, a graduate of that school and, um, I, uh, I'm on the board right now. Um, so I just, I just did the, did the program because I already do this in my other life. So, um, and for me, it's very important because as a therapist, um, I'm a psychotherapist and I do corporate consulting, not cons consulting, but facilitating teaching workshops specifically around this topic. But I know as a therapist, you know, race being one of the, our, our skin color, being one of our biggest organs, is something that's in the room and it's a part of us and we have feelings and thoughts and you know emotions associated to it and it's confusing because we are not allowed to talk about it and it's hard because there's no there there aren't rooms and there aren't a lot of rooms and spaces i believe where people can say this is what i'm walking around with these are all the shoulds i have am i allowed to say this am i not allowed to say this you know what happens if someone says this to me and there's so much feelings that are underneath all of that that make it such a loaded conversation that, um, you know, bringing it back to a therapy situation, if, you know, if you're not able to lean into that with your client, you're missing a whole big part of them, mm -hmm. a whole big part of who they are that they may not get to explore and need to. So for me, to be able to support um, so specifically this group of white students to be able to um, explore these conversations was for me an honor. And um, because those are a group of those are a group of people that now have a different relationship to the concept of race and have maybe been able to unload all of those or not unload because I'm not I'm, I didn't take it not mm -hmm. mine but mm -hmm. able to like allow it to have a a different understanding of all those feelings so they could just be like okay I get it and I can do this differently and I don't have to walk around with all this shame and guilt and discomfort of not knowing you know so um yeah, I feel like it's really important to have and to have all white students is important because like when, you know, having all black students, when they're able to get together and not have to work around, do you understand where I'm coming from with this topic? Like just to be in a space where people get it, mm -hmm. you know, it's the same with the white students. They're like, we don't get it. And we're all in here not getting it. I don't have to try so hard, you know. So, so it almost feels not, like a safer space in that context. Exactly. And then when you're not working to try so hard and you're not worried about, you don't have the stress and fear of, you know, what is about to be said, whether it's from yourself or someone else, you can relax and actually lean into it, lean into whatever that is, you know, but if you, it's like, it's like anything, you go into something stressed, you go into something tight. How do you even lean into that, lean into whatever that is? You know, so yeah, it was an, an honor for me um, because they 
yeah, because we need more people that can talk about race. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how is it, I mean, is it always, it sort of sounds like that's an, an ideal situation where everyone in the room was actively seeking out this experience and, you know, very open to, you know, hopefully feeling more comfortable, more enlightened, having some tools so they can move forward and hopefully, you know, spread the same comfort in in other circles. But I'm sure sometimes you're going into groups that, you know, they've just been told they have to take this learning experience and maybe they're not as open to what you have to say. There's always going to be people that aren't going to be, that are not ready to do that. I've definitely had a few experiences like that where, you know, everybody's coming at this topic in different places. You know, you have to be able to, I think that's the piece that is how I see it. I don't think everybody sees it that way, but I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that we all come to this topic with our own awareness and our own readiness and our own ability to be able to, not ability, but like if, if, if there's something that's stopping us from learning about it, I don't think, I don't see that as right or wrong. And I see that as, you know, if people are willing a place to get curious to say, what's stopping me right now from being able to lean into this place? And it is for me, like it's, it's just so important from a human perspective, like human to human perspective for people to be able to be where they are, because if they can, and they can have some support because there might be something that's stopping them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I don't know what that might be about. And I, you know, and I don't want to say it's a white thing that people can't lean into it because like, I'm sure there's some people that that's their ideology and that's the way that it, but that's not who I'm talking to. You know, I'm, I'm usually talking to people who are like, I want to do something and I don't know how to do this. And as soon as we start to lean into a topic and I can already feel my shame coming up, then that's going to, that might stop me. It might make me change the conversation. It might, something could happen, but the way that I approach it and I approach this with clients, this is um, the, like the theory that I've learned that I believe in is that if I can allow myself or if I can be with get curious with somebody about what might be stopping them, they can go, oh, right. I'm imagining that that next step is going to mean that I'm a bad person. And no matter who and how we are and what situation we're talking about, every single human has that feeling of shame that says, I am bad and I am not worthy. And nobody wants to feel that. Nobody wants to feel that. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. And and nobody wants to go into a place where they're being slammed in the face with this. So I, and I'm, I, I don't want to do that to somebody because I wouldn't want that done to me. Yeah. So the more that I can support people with where they are, then they have some room to be able to see, okay, what's the reason that I'm doing this? Or what's the reason that, you know, I'm stopping the conversation and then they can move forward, you know, if they choose. 
but the ground has to be like feel stable. But our our brains are actually wired to not put ourselves in places where there isn't safety. So this is like a physiological thing. This is a psychological thing. And I believe approaching these conversations with that in mind is really important. Like it's just so important. So, yeah. Well, it seems like you come at this with so much love and wisdom. I'd love to back up a little bit about, you know, sort of your <laughs> transition I can really resonate with the fact that you got into psychotherapy because you had a great experience as a client and you were, you know, inspired. Um, I don't know if you can go into a little bit more detail of, you know, how you felt that it made you see everything differently. I, uh, yeah, I think psychotherapy saved my life. Um, and I don't like in terms of how I saw myself. So I probably, I went when I was, I went to my first therapist when I was about 24, 25. And I was talking to a colleague at work. Um, I was on a, a buying team um, at Canadian Tire, way back when Canadian Tire Corp. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buying assistant was like, you know, maybe you should talk to somebody. And I was like, I am not crazy. <laughs> and she's like, just call this person. She tied this number to me. And that was sort of the beginning. And all of a sudden I was, I found, I found a way to explain the way I thought about myself and all the feelings that I was experiencing. And I found a way, I found a way to put words to those feelings that I was feeling. And it just, to me, automatically, it meant that I didn't have to be like this anymore. Cause I just felt like there was just something inherently wrong with me. And so, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. Like when I'm in my cubicle, like I don't work can't tire anymore, but I love all of them. I love that company. I loved my time there. Um, but when I was at my cubicle, I'd have people coming and sit with me to talk all day. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was my forte, you know, I was, and even as a manager, like that was, and I, I ended up going into management there, but it was, it was a, you know, my, my ability to be able to be with people was, you know, that was easy. So I, becoming a therapist was wonderful. So I went to the Transformational Arts College. And then after that, I went to the Gestalt Institute of Toronto, which was for me, um, you know, both were great. But for me, the Gestalt Institute of Toronto was where I found, I just learned about the whole thing from the inside out, all of therapy from the inside out. So just, it created a way for me to express myself that made sense to me. And to be able to be a, uh, a guide um, for clients or for people who are in that place to, to, to basically to, to find self-compassion and permission for all the parts of themselves. You know, it's like, how do you find, like, it's like owning all of you. So um, how that ended up, you know, coming to, how did I end up doing these conversations about race? Um, it was sort of serendipitous. Um, I had a really difficult relationship with my race, my own, like my identity, my racial identity. So, and that was something that over the years and with and through, you know, my therapy and through work, um, 
I really worked on, you know, what was my identity around race? And there was a, a, a workshop, a woman that came into, uh, did a workshop at the Institute. Her name is Deborah Plummer. And she is the chief, um, she's the chief diversity officer at University of Mass Medical. And so her approach, which is not unique, but she put this in a, you know, in this theoretical perspective was looking and understanding a racial identity and how it was developed because we, we don't. So when you think about your aspects of identity, like gender, gender expression, sexual orientation, um, nationality, ethnicity, all of those different parts of you, you have thoughts, feelings, beliefs. There's a, there's a psychological relationship to those aspects of self. But race is one that for people of color, they've always had to contend with that. Like they've always had to be in relationship to it because it's a thing. It's, you know, it's identified, it's, it's seen. And for people that are, are white, you might not have ever had to think about it. It's like, so, so I think, but I think on a whole racial identity and how we think about our race and how we have, um, what we have been told about our race and what we believe what's true about us. Those, those, it, it's almost like it's all separate. Like people, so people don't have the, I don't believe that people have the support to look at this aspect of self and it's an essential part of who we are. It's an essential part of who we are. So as an example, um, when I was seven, I, that's when I learned that I was black. So my mom was like, you know, cause when you're younger, you're just, when you're a child, you're essentially like a blob of being, you know, just emotions, like, you know, and, uh, I had a birthday party and I would ask my mom if this one young, if this, my one friend was going to come. And she said that, well, she might not come. And the reason why she might not come is because you know, her parents don't want her to come here because we're black. And I was like, I'm black. What? Like, what are you talking about? And I remember looking down at my skin color and noticing like, oh, all of a sudden this means something. So this went from something that was in my, I wasn't aware. And now all of a sudden it's in my awareness as a thing. And what this thing meant was that I may not be um, acceptable or liked or wanted. And I didn't consciously know that, but I kind of, in my body, I knew it, you know, and that developed like that was something that it made me not want to be black. It made me not, and that's an internalized racism. So that's so that's what I'm saying. It's like the definitions of, and that's what I saw in media. All of that, you know, where what was acceptable and who's acceptable and who's liked and who's not liked and all that. So. The world is telling me this thing and this message and story that I already had kind of come to myself. And then I pushed it way down deep inside of myself because how do I, how do I be in a place where I don't like the thing that I am? Like it was just deep shame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I say that therapy saved me, it allowed me to have, you know, this, 
you know, come to some kind of awareness of what was this thing that I, you know, shoved way down deep inside? What did I believe about myself? And once I came to terms with that to say that, wait a second, this isn't true. And what does black mean for me? That element of my race is black in the, you know, in society could mean X, Y, Z. But my work allowed me to say, my therapy allowed me to say black means that I'm beautiful, that my skin is, you know, looks like whatever. Like there's, there's all these things that became internally important and allowed me to inhabit that part of myself. If I hadn't done that, it would have shown up everywhere. It did show up everywhere. It showed in how I carried myself. It showed in how hard it was, you know, and easy it was to put myself out there. So coming to terms with that aspect of self, I believe for every single person is important. And what it means in relationship to other people as well. Because I would say that that's my story. That's not everybody's story, but it's mine. And so for someone else, it might not be easy to be in a room where there's a whole, you know, a whole bunch of white people that are talking about, you know, what they're feeling. I would not say that that would be the same for everybody because there is so much grief and loss at hearing people learn something for the first time that you've known your whole life. Mm. Like it's a lot of grief and it's a lot of loss. And I think that that's a, those are hard feelings to feel. And I think that, you know, so it's just, it, there's just so much healing that's needed for all people. So many follow-up questions. First, do you, I mean, is it a given that internal racism is part of the Black experience or it really depends on the person? Yes. It's, my sister was completely different. She, my sister had, um, and I, and you know, we had different experiences growing up, like in terms, because how you, that's what I mean. Every single person has a different relationship to that aspect of self based on their individual experiences, what they've been told, the stories they heard, mm-hmm. right? It's like our psychology. It's like, think about self-esteem. It's not a given that, you know, all men are confident. It's not a given that all women are, you know, all whatever the stereotype, you know, whatever the thing might be. And for you, in your personal experience, did you find that that um, internal shame manifested in other ways? Other, I mean, like in some sort of physical stress or in your health? health? Um, I believe that that was a source, a big source of my anxiety. Um, I think it made me a people pleaser. I would have described myself as a chameleon, you know, way back when. Um, yeah. And, and really, because at the end of the day, humans are, we are relational. We want to be connected to each other. And we are always like, it is in our nature to be connected. We want to be thought well of. Like We want to be included, you know, to be seen. 
So if I inherently, if there was a place at the time, there was a place in me that didn't feel like I would be acceptable this way. So I had to, you know, change myself in some way. And it was like really unconscious, which was, which is the interesting thing. So my awareness of that, that is what made it, um, that's what allowed me to change and really take a look at like, how am I showing up in this moment? What am I doing? And what's the good reason? What was the reason I was doing it in the first place? So I could be like, I could um, have some compassion for how I got to this moment. You know, like we need that. We need that. Yeah. I, so in, in my work, I teach people, you know, various health and wellness practices. And I think one of the ways that I do it differently is from the get-go, I'm very clear that, look, it's not like you're going to learn this and then everything's going to be fine. <laughs> like it's this, <laughs> this ongoing, maybe not daily, but like some sort of consistent practice that you're implementing and, you know, you're going to backtrack once in a while and then it'll, you'll remember, oh, right, I need to be focusing more on this. And, you know, there's an ebb and flow in that. It's a process. It's a journey, all this. And I'm guessing it's the same in your work. Yeah, it's exactly the same. You know, it's, um, it's what, it's like the philosophy of anti-racism. Like, the, I think the thing with it, when it comes to this, you know, having, come, like, you know, when it comes to understanding inclusion, the, like all that stuff is like, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, what do I say? What am I supposed to say? Well, like you can't give somebody a list of things to say. That you're gonna, <laughs> what do you need to memorize it? And then, like, you can say something to me, but that doesn't mean you can say something to them. I can say something to you, but it might not mean I could say something to someone else. You have to look at the person in front of you, and you know what 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 do you experience with them? What feels? What, how do you approach them? Otherwise, you're just putting people in another bucket. So. Like when it comes to what your what your your question is that, like, the goal really is to is to allow people to be unconsciously aware. Like I don't know what I don't know, and all of a sudden something might fly out of my mouth or a thought might come to my, um, you know, that comes in that oh no that is I am categorizing people right now. I've just put one on top of the other. How what what just happened? What made me do that? And if you can be in a place where you don't think you're a bad person because that happened, then you can still explore that. Mm-hmm. But until you can be in a place where it's like, oh, you know, I walked by a black man and my body tightened, or I saw a, you know, this white person said this, and all of a sudden I could feel myself getting so tense because I'm imagining they're about to say something. It's like, okay, wait a second. How did I get there in the first place? Oh, yeah, because that's happened to me a ton of times before. But now my awareness, I notice my reaction. I notice what I'm thinking about it. And I can say, hold on a second. Is this happening now? And if it is, now I'm I'm aware. And now I can do something different. But Mm -hmm. if I'm aware and it's loaded with shame, I'm just going to work so hard just to be right just to do the right thing just to be the right kind of person just to be a good person again and that might mean and what that means is I'm only focusing on trying to be a good person 
and not actually being with what is required in the moment, like really noticing what's my intention here. Because maybe you do need to be in a place where it's like, oh shoot, I did think that. <sighs> yeah, I could see how I got here. Well, that's not who I am now. And now I can do this. No, it's like when you do some, it's like when you're working on your confidence and all of a sudden you watch, you know, you feel yourself do something and you're like, how did I get there? Oh yeah, right. Because, you know, I had this conversation with this person and it, you know, it, it triggered me in a way. And all of a sudden I walked into that meeting and I couldn't speak. How did I get there? If I can, if I can say that I'm not a bad person because that happened, or I'm not, you know, I should just forget about it all because I'm never going to be confident. But if I could say, oh, I could see how I got here. I could see how this thinking or this person said this and how, you know, it, it made me stumble. Okay, well, I can, you know, process that. And now I can show up at the next meeting differently because that's not who I am. So that's the piece about, you know, understanding like anti-racism is, is, is being in a place where it's like, this is, it's a process and over time it changes. So I went from being a person, a child with this inherent belief about myself to now I'm in rooms talking about my relationship to the concept of race. It changes as we lean into these things. You know, what, what is uncomfortable becomes comfortable. It's possible. Mm -hmm. I love everything that you're saying. Um, so can you give us a little bit of insight? Do you feel like there's some sort of, you know, diffusing the tension type exercises that are required at the beginning of these things? Or maybe a different way of looking at my question is, you know, is there something that really surprises people about how the process is versus what they think they're getting themselves into? I think that typically people, you know, might go to a session, go to, you know, when they're wanting to learn about this topic where, you know, maybe somebody's, they're, they're learning concepts. How I approach this is I want every single person to look at how their identity has been created or developed in relation to race. So you're using yourself as the learning tool, which is the internal work that's needed. I believe now, you know, I, I, I really do believe now because everyone's like, you need to do your work. You need to do your internal work. And it's true. Every single person does. And that internal work is the, oh, how did I come to, you know, how did I look? What, how, how, what was my first memory of race? And how does that make me feel when I think about it? And in the conversations that I've had with people, you know, I can, you know, people have said, oh gosh, I feel so much shame just remembering the story. It, it just, and it, it makes you want to take the story and bury it somewhere. But the problem is, is that it's not buried. It's actually in your body. That's why you feel it in the moment, right? So being able to be with that and with that, whatever that, what is emerging, the physical, so like somatic, um, emotional, and come to a new understanding of that with your current perspective, your adult eyes, you can transform that relationship to that memory. And it's like, oh yeah, right. My dad was racist. And that made me feel really uncomfortable. 
And my adult eyes tell me, tells me that that isn't me. But I worried that, you know, that that makes me a little bit racist or whatever. Like it were, it, I, I'm going to say the wrong thing because he did, you know, or I could never show this part of myself, whatever it might be. Or my parents used to say this and I like, you know, somebody's like, I feel like really hot even telling you this, Natalie. Yeah. So now what? But until you until you allow yourself to know, like, how did that inform how I see people? How did that inform and guide how my, how, what I believe about people? You know, do I look for other things than other than what I was told about people? Then you might not even know that you believe those things. So that's why the internal work is necessary so that you know what you do and you know, and you know what you don't, and you can bring your current self to that same, those same things and say, okay, well now what, you know, but if you don't go there, then something will fly out of your mouth or you'll say something, or you might pass over someone because of, and not be even be aware of it. Like I always use the metaphor of like, you know, when you're getting a massage and then the massage therapist, like they find that knot inside and you're like, oh my gosh, that's been, <laughs> how's that been there? <laughs> I've been walking around that, I've been walking around with that knot for like, <laughs> and then you work it out and it's really painful and then it's gone. And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I have more access to all of myself. Mm. So what do you say? I'm sure people ask you, you know, something unconscious accidentally, however you want to look at it comes out of your mouth and you're in a situation where you in that moment feel shame and feel bad for a way that you approached it or saw it and what's the best thing to do I always I always ask people to go back to their intention like one you have to acknowledge how like what that however whatever was said how that landed and believe someone's experience whether you intended it or not like it it still landed so you know that's first thing like and can you allow yourself to be with how you impacted that person like that's first and foremost and that sucks because it feels bad and but it's more important because when someone it's like you know someone um impacts you in a way i know if someone has impacts me in a way and you know there's this there's a, a heartfelt like i didn't you know I'm, I, I'm sorry i missed you i didn't that wasn't my intention i like i my shoulders drop a little bit you know i feel seen i feel like what i experienced was validated so that's the first thing is like being able to really honor someone's experience and two without really trying to fix without trying to fix it mm. that's hard too no <laughs> yes Let's, don't fix it you can ask the person you know you can say here was my intention um i'm sorry and you know what could i do but i think sometimes um you know, we're, we try to be so quick with the apology that, that it doesn't really land. So 
we're going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it wrong because we don't know all things, all people. And that's, that's, that's why I'm being able to be able to be with this emotional part of ourselves and learn how to, I don't like to use the word tolerate, but like, um, just be with it allows you to be with other people also it creates connection because if you're if you're ready to fix it because it feels bad or you're ready to fix it because you don't like feeling bad then you're just more about fixing and not really about what the other person might be experiencing yeah i mean i think that resonates you know, you know, when someone's apologizing, it's kind of like ripping the bandaid off quickly. So it doesn't yeah. hurt for them to apologize. Yeah. yeah. Like, that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, great. Uh, the other piece too, is I think that, you know, um, that's how we learn. You know, if I really allow myself to, to understand someone's experience, then I know that I might've been too quick or where I went wrong or how I, you know, what was I looking at that I didn't see that person. And it's in the missteps that you learn where to step. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's beneficial for both. It's a win-win situation, you know, but I, I believe we live in a culture where it's hard to be wrong with someone. Yeah. Do you use a lot of storytelling? to help I do yeah I do um and it's I don't know it's important for me because I I think it is through people telling being able to tell stories that one you feel the you feel those you feel the feelings of those stories it brings our humanity into the forefront you know and that's I think that's at the end of the day it's like we're humans that were you know, we're put into groups based on kind of how we look, period. And we have stories according to all of that and how we see each other and how we have seen each other and how what the stories are into all that stuff. So I think it's the stories that and the feelings that come up that make us the same. And we feel that when we tell our stories with each other, if we really hear and can allow ourselves to be with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our discomfort gets in the way. Yeah, I, I, I love how you really started with that piece, you know, just how essential it is to be open to the work on to one, you know, sort of the mental intellectual piece, but then it's more an embodied emotional yeah. openness to lean into that uncomfortable feeling of of not knowing, maybe shame around not knowing, but also accepting that you've misstepped in the past we all have mm-hmm. and, and you know human interaction whether it's specific around race I'd say that's pretty universal as well but you know if you can just sort of get to that work in understanding that you've made someone unintentionally feel bad in the past and the way forward is really acknowledging that in a much deeper way um, yeah. And how did I get there? Yeah, I think that piece to the sort of unraveling the identity and and to me it was so interesting to have the perspective that that you know the 
racial identity is so personalized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's how, like, who I am as a Black woman is, is my expression of being Black in the world. You know, it's very unique. I have my husband's white. Um, my children are, you know, if you saw them, the the white passing. You know, you know, my father, my parents are Jamaican. My father is. Um, we've got like on both sides, like there's so many mixed nationalities. So my father looks. My father's like Italian looking, or you know, Middle Eastern looking. Um, and my mother's black and, you know, we've got, I've got nieces that are half Filipino or a niece and nephew that are half Filipino, I've got a niece, two nieces that are black. And so my family looks like all nations <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, so, you know, I think that it's important because of, you know, my son said to me once, he's like, well, you know, can black people be racist? I said, and this is, you know, based on this identity work, specifically Beverly Daniel Tatum, she's like, you know, she asked that, she asked the question in her book, but when my son said that, I said the same thing that she says in her book, I was like, well, it kind of depends on the definition that you're using. You know, if someone's going to judge you based on your skin color, then, you know, that's prejudice, being prejudicially racist. And I said, I would never want anybody to judge you based on your skin color, you know? And I will also say this, that, you know, that, the fact that my son is is looks white when George Floyd was murdered, I, you know, all these women were talking about how their children were, you know, they're so they're scared for when their boys go out and what might happen. And, you know, and I remember in that moment just saying, now we're gonna have to worry about that. And then I was horrified at what I said, that I'm never gonna have to worry about that. And that was deeply shameful. And I think that that's where I had a choice to say, because I mean, there's women that look like me and I have the advantage of like the white advantage of not having to worry that my son might be stopped for a cop and prejudged because of the skin color, like it's not fair. And at that point I had a decision to make, what am I gonna do? with this privilege and awareness that I have, this unique set of circumstances of who I am as a black woman in the world. So that's when I created my, started creating these workshops and a program. And to be able to be, to be able to sit with people in their, in, in their feelings, I think is essentially important to all of this process. And, it, and to me, it doesn't matter what race you are. You have a feeling in relation to the concept of race. Of course, I so, agree. And and I know white people do, and I know that black people do also, you know. What a powerful origin to this philosophy and process that you've created in my lifetime. It seems like the point where you made, like, that people feel uncomfortable and, like, that's not your discomfort. Do you feel like it's shifting in that people are at least aware that this kind of uncomfortable, like accepting that, we, that you don't know what you don't know, that that's something that's, that's on us, not on Black people? 
to make them feel more comfortable? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's on anybody. Like, I, I think it's on each individual person. Like, I don't, if I'm sitting with a room of people, I don't feel uncomfortable. I feel quite solid. It is not mine. And I say that because I have a background as a therapist. If I'm seeing a client, it is not mine. I already think they are a whole person and they just have something that they're unaware of. Mm. I do not take on anybody's feelings. They are already whole. They've survived whatever they've survived. Now they're just processing what it is that they've been through. It is not my job. Like, it's not my job. But if you are not aware of the different things that you are feeling, because we are human and relational and we can we pick up things that are in the space between people, there is the feeling of, you know, someone's sad or someone's whatever. It's like, I got to take care of you. Well, my, my, my training and my history teach, like, I don't do that. Like, I can just sit with you and you can be sad and it doesn't have anything to do with me. But until you come into, until you can come to terms with your own emotions, your own feelings of sadness, grief, loss, then I will be activated when someone else is activated. Like as a therapist, if I get activated in a room, I'm going to see my supervisor because I know something's going on with me. It's not them. Mm. So that's why I can sit in a room. It's not my burden. It's not mine. And it's not any black person's either. And it's, there's no transference of stuff. It's that's, that's the problem. So it's like trying to fix the psychological problem logically. Like it won't work. Yes. Everybody's got their own work around how they see race. How do you see another person? And that is, as a Black person, how do you see white people? Because if every white person is racist, then you're going to miss the person that's not, you know, or un- unaware of what they may have internalized. Let's say it that way. Mm-hmm. If you're a white person thinking that, you know, every every black person is going to be mad at you because you say something, you're going to miss the people that might not be, that are like, I'm really open to this. I want to know. But you have to check out who the person is in front of you. But people are so caught up in the feeling of feeling bad without you even aware, being aware of it. So you're so caught up in like, I don't want to go there. You won't. So, yeah. <sighs> I could talk about it so much. It's so <laughs> important. It's so, so important. important. So oh, important. You're so, so inspiring. Um, and I'm fascinated by sort of the similarities in, you know, it's just becoming a better human all around on all fronts. Like this is a massive piece. And the process is very similar <laughs> to all the other ways that we're all working on ourselves, right? So. I guess to wrap up, is there something that you want to say or do say to the people that you can sense that they really lack this awareness? Like they're really just kind of sitting in the like fear of not wanting to say anything wrong. Yeah, I do. Take a step, lean into it. I mean, we are, you are with people all the time. And if, you don't know what you don't know. You may be unintentionally hurting people that you love. And I mean, you know, I sat with this group of people today that are so, so afraid that they were going to hurt me. They were so afraid. 
like it was there was so much emotion around that and i don't want people to be afraid in this because you'll just not do it or you'll just you know do it to not be wrong and then you'll miss the person in front of you like nothing will change it's important and not just to be with other people but to be a full part of who you are like to really be able to own your race as black people and as white people you know it's like people are like you know my whiteness is going to show up here and i'm like well, what like i'm like what does that mean for you <laughs> that's my question it's like what does that mean for you specifically are you going to pull out words that someone else has said or are they words that are true about you as a white person because you've explored it yeah my definition of myself as a black person was not aligned with who i was when i grew up because i'd done that work and i shed the other stuff so i be, was able to become more of who i am and I want, I think that everybody needs that. Mm. Perfect mm. ending. <laughs> what a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Uh, well, I'll share all the ways that people can connect with you unless there's anything specifically you wanted to highlight. Yes, I run a program called the Comfortable Race Conversation Process where I have people come together and explore this topic. There's um, pre-recorded videos, but there's uh, six practice circles that where participants meet weekly and explore these topics and experientially and somatically so that they can create a new awareness around or new relationship to their to race, their racial identity, you know, and with compassion and you know, with all this stuff. And then um, I don't exactly know when this is, but I think if people find me, they'll be able to find this. So I'm, I'm in the process of creating like almost like a shorter version of this that people could listen to, you know. So um, I guess stay tuned because those, those <laughs> details will be <laughs> out soon. So yeah, get on your list. I'm getting on your list. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Natalie. I so appreciate you and thank you for taking the time and sharing your wisdom and um, just so much heart that you bring to this work. It comes through and um, yeah, I just appreciate you so deeply. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I would be really appreciative if you feel so called to, to support the show by either subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform, leaving us a review, and passing this episode or another favorite episode on to a friend. I hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Sending you my love.